Fire Nation in the house. JLD here, and welcome to episode 1941 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week, from accomplishing goals to launching podcasts to creating funnels and webinars that convert. I have four free courses waiting for you at eofire.com. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Davin Michaels. Davin, are you prepared to ignite? Let's light this on fire. (laughs) Davin is a New York (laughs) Times bestselling author, 30-year business veteran, and CEO of 123 Employee, the premier outsourcing center in the Philippines. He has three centers and over 500 employees. Davin, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, um, it's great to be with you, JLD. And uh, yeah, uh, our company has been around for nearly a decade. One, two, three employees, the prime, pre- premier outsourcing center in the Philippines. We have hundreds and hundreds of employees and we work with entrepreneurs all over the globe and some of the biggest thought leaders on the planet like you. And we do all the busy stuff in their business from internet marketing, social media, telemarketing, back office tasks. Our mission at one, two, three employee is to rescue lifestyle starved entrepreneurs, give them their time back and their lives back. And we love doing it. And a uh, personal thing is I've got a couple of kids, a wonderful woman, and we're about to make the move to uh, become your neighbor out in Puerto Rico. <laughs> you know what's funny <laughs> about that is this is actually going live on February 13th, which means you've Perfect. officially been in Puerto Rico <laughs> for 13 days as of people hearing these words right now. That's so right. welcome right. to Puerto Rico, Isle de Encanta. You are my Gracias. neighbor. You're living right in Palmas <laughs> del Mar. By yeah. the way, uh, Fire Nation, all the cool entrepreneurs are moving to Palmas del Mar. Just a little That's FYI, right. uh, check it out. Google Act 20 Puerto Rico, you'll see why. Now, Davin, I want to know what your area of expertise is. If you could just say of all the things that you're great at, what's the thing that just stands out the most as the thing that you are just crushing? Well, I'd say probably well two things really. I, I know I know you want one, but ultimately leverage. I'm the guy that's known for leverage. If there's a way to leverage it, if there's a way to shortcut it, is what I'll do. It's 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 my business. But also, um, I think what's made me successful in business is my ability to manage people. Well, of those two, I'm going to pick one, and I'm going to pick leverage, and I'm going to say, what's something that we as entrepreneurs don't typically know about leverage? Like, what's something that you just find that if we knew this, if we knew X or Y or Z, it would just help us out. I think all entrepreneurs know that they need to leverage, but most entrepreneurs can't seem to wrap their brain around how to do it. And I get that because I've been self-employed for over three decades, as you said, and for the first two decades, for the first 20 years, I was a micromanager. Uh, and, and still, in my soul, I'm a micromanager because I find that most entrepreneurs are perfectionists. They micromanage and they all, they something comes across their desk and they're like, you know, I could do that myself. But that's the trap. And so the key to building a big company, because I know if you're listening to this podcast, you don't want to have a small company. Most likely, you want to have a big company. And the key to that is getting leverage on it. And so throughout my day, all day long, I'm asking myself one question and that is is this the highest and best use of my time is this the highest and best use of my time and if the answer to that is no it's immediately outsourced or delegated to somebody else now i'm going to call davin out real quick i'm sure he's not going to mind but right Mm -hmm. before this call he was taking a nap and davin let's be honest 
that was the highest and best use of your time because I need a rested Davin to keep up with my energy. Am I right? That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. What happened was I actually came back on a flight this morning. It was an early flight and I was, I just needed a break. So I took a quick hour nap. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So let's shift to your entrepreneurial journey, which has spanned over 30 years now. What yeah. is the worst entrepreneurial moment that you've experienced and take us to that moment and tell us oh, the story. Boy. Oh boy. I hate talking about it. <laughs> I <laughs> so, love hearing it. Well, I'll tell you why I hate talking about it is because in my journey, which is over 30 years, um, I, I, if you look at my track record as a whole, it's been unbelievable. I look back at it and I can't believe it, but, and so it looks like it's just this upward journey, but it was full of ups and downs because that is the entrepreneurial journey, right? It's ups and downs. You have to take risks. It's not always going to go right. And why I hate talking about this story is is it's it's embarrassing. And what's embarrassing about it is uh, it was a time when my business almost folded, when I almost went under. And I'd love to tell you that it was 25 years ago, but it was only a few years ago. And that's what makes it so terrible. It was less than a few years ago. It was a couple years ago. And I'll explain to you what happened. So um, if, if you are a burgeoning business, if you're growing your business, you're going to get to a point in your business where you've reached uncharted territory territory where your company starts to get so big that you've never experienced something like that before. And that happened to me a couple of years ago. And when you get to that point, you really have two options. One is you try to muddle through it. But I think a better way to do it is you find people that have walked that path before you and you bring them in, right? And you bring them in as either a contractor, a consultant or an employee. Well, I did that a couple of years ago. Our company was growing, you know, really rapidly and we'd gone to a place where I never had that kind of growth before. So I brought in a rapid growth uh, VP of BizDev, a guy that had grown a $30 million company that I had not done before. And he was unbelievable. And not only was he fantastic, but he became a great friend and he came on board and immediately our sales went through the roof. We were already doing great, but then they went crazy. I'd never seen growth like this. It was unbelievable. But what happened was there was a sacrifice. And what happens was as we grew that new base of clients, we were sacrificing our old clients because there were some things that were put into process. And I can tell you what the big thing was, was that all of our customer service now went through the sales team. And the reason why is because Every time somebody calls in for a customer service issue, that's a potential a way to turn it into a buying opportunity. Well, that whole thing backfired and it went terrible. And our chargeback rate started to go up. Uh, it went from 1% to 2%, 2% to 3%. And right around 3%, I told our VP, I said, you know, you, you've got to get a hold of this. I said, we're going to get the call. Our chargeback rate went to 4%. Uh, and then our chargeback rate went to 5%. And of course, I got the call. And it was our merchant provider telling us that we were in big trouble. Now, Luckily, we managed to save that. It was very expensive. Uh, I had to let him go. And what happened was literally a company that had been around for nearly a decade that had been so successful, it literally jeopardized the entire company. It was a horrible, horrible experience. But what came from that and what I find comes from, from most adversity in, in all business and all life is that our uh, crew, our team, our core team, we all hunkered down, not even the core team, the entire staff, our hundreds of employees, we hunkered down and we it forced us to innovate. And we came back within 12 months a more successful company than we ever were. Higher sales, higher profit, 
unbelievable. Um, and it was just unbelievable. It was incredible. It was incredible. But it was a horrible, horrible experience. And and if I was asked, you know, what what's the lesson that I can learn from that story? I think that you should bring in people that have walked before you into your business, people with more experience, but you definitely need to keep them on a tight leash. Uh, you don't want to give them too much control. I, at least in my opinion, and as a CEO of your own company, I will say this, nobody knows your company better than you do. And that stands for a lot, no matter how accomplished somebody is, no matter how much education they have, no matter how much experience they have, nobody knows your business like you know your business. So Davin, that takeaway is incredibly important in Fire Nation. I really hope you're taking notes because listen, people who have come before us, they can really help us get to the next level. But at the same time, you know, this is our business. We have to have hands on our business. We have to know what's going on within our business because the little things, they can sometimes add up to something big and then something big can lead to something devastating. Something devastating, well, we know how that story ends. Mm -hmm. Now, Davin, you've also had a lot of great ideas over the years. Break down one of the greatest aha moments that you feel like you've had and really take us into that moment and tell us that story. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, there's been a million of them. And this, like you said, this is something really little, but really important, especially if you're an aspiring entrepreneur or you're in your first few years of entrepreneurship. So um, I sold my first company at the age of 26. And that really changed everything for me. And so I'll I'll tell you the story. So I was I had a telecommunications company, very humble beginnings, we built it up over five years. But within five years, we were in 60 cities across the US. We did a great job. It was really exciting. And it came time to sell my company. And I was actually in the paging business. I owned a paging signal, a channel in the US. And uh, I knew that I had to sell the company because the writing was on the wall. Uh, cell phones were coming out in about a year, and I felt that it would destroy the paging business. Now, it was interesting. The consensus in our world, in our business, was that um, paging would actually sell more cell phones. And initially, it did because it was so expensive to use a cell phone. You would page your friend, and then they would call <laughs> you back. All right? You probably remember those days. But I uh, I knew that I the writing was on the wall. So um, a big multinational company. Back then, this was a massive business. Um, This big multinational company made me a cash offer. It was very generous. They wined me and dined me. It was really cool. Uh, But I said, no, it wasn't enough money to get me to leave the business, but I knew I had to sell. And so I called the biggest um, broker in our space. His name was Hiram. And I said, hey, find me a suitor, find me a buyer. And he said, uh, yeah, I'll I'll work on it. And he came back to me and we literally narrowed it down to there were only two buyers. And the reason why is because the whole business had consolidated. All these big multinational companies were buying each other up and they were traded on the NYSE and on the NASDAQ. And there were two left. There was They both had public companies. One was a crook, so we knew we couldn't work with him. And the other guy was a guy named Hal. And Hal was the most amazing business person you ever met, the most amazing person. He was a business maverick, and he would buy companies, distress companies, and he would clean them up and take them public. He was a genius. Uh, he was in his 60s. He was bald. He looked like Telly Savalas or Daddy <laughs> Warbucks. And, and he always dressed in the coolest threads, and he always had a gorgeous woman on his arm. We all wanted to be like Hal when we grew up. And so we – my Hiram began to sort of court hell and nothing happened. This went on for nearly a year. And then one day I get a call from hell completely out of the blue. And he says, Davin, do you want to do this do- deal or what? And I said, yeah, I do. I do. He said, 
meet me at the Winchell's Donut Shop tomorrow at noon around the corner from my office. And I said, okay, he loved donuts. So we met at Winchell's and we uh, hammered out uh, the uh, in 45 minutes the deal to sell my company on a Winchell's napkin. And the deal uh, was done. And uh, and then it took about a month to close escrow and everything. And uh, oh, and I remember when we were talking about the deal, I had a, a very firm price in my head. And he said, no, he said, I, I can't do that price. I said, I think you can. I said, give me some stock in your company. Give me a note. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think, and, and give me a, a small down payment. I think we can do this. And he agreed. And the reason he agreed was because it was a paper deal. And for him, it made sense. And, uh, for me, I felt like it was a good idea because I thought number one, it was very interesting that after a year, all of a sudden he was motivated to sell to me, um, or for me to sell to him. And two, um, he was the last guy on the block that had not been consolidated or bought out. And so I felt that something was up. I felt like it was a worthwhile gamble, and I took back stock in the company. And as a parting gift, he's a very magnanimous guy. He owned 42 classic cars. He gave me a 1958 pink Cadillac <laughs> and a 1965 Mustang convertible with pony interior. And that was awesome. And uh, so the, the, a month later, I, I went to Europe. I came back. The deal was done. And I went to pick up my first check, and I thought, you know what, now – I'm going to be, you know, best friends with hell. We're going to be buds. We're in bed together. We're going to get to hang out all the time. He's my my idol. Um, but that was not to be the case because hell had just met his, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth wife, something like that. <laughs> and she was beautiful and gorgeous. And they had just gotten married. And hell was ecstatic because she had even more money than hell had. So I remember we were all walking out the door. And I remember he got into his 19, I think, 15, 57 Cadillac, red, convertible, top down, his girl nuzzles up to him, and I literally watch him drive off into the sunset. And as he's doing that, I'm just thinking to myself, that guy is the coolest freaking guy I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And the, the deal was done. So about a year goes by, and uh, Hell's company gets purchased, half of it, and my stock triples, and that moment in time changes my entire life. Um, but it doesn't end there. So about a year later, Hell's wife has some stomach pain, and 90 days later, she's dead from pancreatic oh. cancer. It was terrible. And it was the summertime in Newport Beach, California. Hell was devastated. He was kind of in recovery. I had just split up with my ex, and I was you know, pretty much in the same boat. And we started hanging out together. Um, and every day he would call me in the morning and he'd say, hey, you, you, know, you want to go hit the gym? I'd say, yeah, we go hit the gym. And then we'd have lunch and then we'd hang out by the pool. I was kind of semi-retired for a little bit. So we'd just hang out and we'd have dinner. And then we'd go to the, the yacht club and have cigars and pick up on girls. And, uh, <laughs> and it was the oddest couple you ever saw. I was in my early 20s. He was in his 60s. But it didn't matter because everybody loved hell young and old because he was so magnanimous and so interesting and he had such great stories and the question is you know well during that summer did i pick hell's brain and the answer is i certainly did and it was easy to do because hell taught me business through his stories. He would literally tell me how he would buy the companies that were distressed, how we would clean them up, how we would finance them, how we would take them public. And that education was it was it was absolutely priceless. It changed my life and really, really launched my business career. Even though I'd started my business career at 15, it really changed everything for me. 
And it was awesome. And he would teach me through his stories. And every night I would go home and chronicle these stories. And over time, I began to see patterns. And I began to create my early formula for business success. And I remember I tested that formula. I went out to all my friends that were struggling in, in business. And I had a lot of them back then. And I asked them about their formula. They didn't have a process. And then I went to my friends that were successful in business. I didn't have too many back then. And they did have a process. And so I refined that process, used it for decades, and that changed my life. But of all the amazing things Hell taught me, the one that seems to stick out in my head is that one day Hell was talking to me about, about debt. And he said, you know, he said, as a business owner, the best position you can be in is to owe somebody money. And I thought to myself, are you completely nuts? That was like my biggest fear. I hated owing people money. When I couldn't pay my bills, it was like horrific. Uh, I said, I don't get it. He said, listen, he said, if you owe somebody money, you're in the driver's seat. You know, he said, you owe them money and they need that money. You can go back and you can negotiate it. You can rearrange the deal. You can do whatever the heck you want. If you owe somebody money, you control the deal. Kind of like us in China. There you go. Exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. And um, so that that moment in time, that idea, that that concept that changed my life. It, it certainly alleviated my fear when it came to debt. Um, as a business owner, um, I have plenty of debt, but that's debt that makes me money. Uh, as, as a, as a personal, uh, you know, as, as an individual, I don't have a lot of debt. There's really no need for it. Um, but, uh, you know, all of the people I know that are employees, uh, all they want to do is pay off everything. You know, and all the entrepreneurs I know, they want to get their hands on as much uh, capital as possible so they can make more. And so I think that's a big distinction. Fire Nation, this lesson is epic. The words that I loved is Hal taught me business through his stories. That's exactly what we do here every single day on Entrepreneur on Fire. We teach you business mm-hmm. through stories, through Davin's stories, through his worst moment, through his aha moment, stories, Fire Nation. And then again, that great lesson about debt, huge Definitely food for thought, Fire Nation. Think about it. And if you think Dav has been dropping value bombs, well, just wait for the lightning rounds, which we're going to get to when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Ready to make a lasting change in your new year? If you're tired of corporate America and want to step into owning your own business, then the time to make a move is now. And why not make that move into franchising? Allow me to introduce you to Eric Van Horn, our guest right here on Entrepreneurs on Fire, episode 1902. Eric is a seasoned franchise owner. He loves franchises so much. He started a company called I Love Franchising. Recently, Eric published an ebook called The Franchising Playbook, Seven Strategies to Find Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. Inside, he teaches the seven key factors to franchise success. He also shares his personal contact info in his ebook. So if after reading it, you have any questions about whether franchise ownership is right for you, just call him. Eric has personally helped over 1,000 people transition out of corporate America and into franchise ownership. And you can take your first step towards doing the same today, visit ilovefranchising.com slash fire to download Eric's free ebook, The Franchising Playbook today. That's ilovefranchising.com slash fire. 
One of the first ways I generated revenue after launch was through offering coaching services to those who wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how. If you offer coaching services too but have trouble finding new clients who are the right clients, then I've got great news for you. Clients on Demand will show you how to take prospects from cold to hot in 24 to 48 hours. If the company sounds familiar, that's because the founder, Russ Rafino was on episode 1351 of EO Fire and their team is all about integrity and world-class support. They were even awarded the 186th fastest growing company in America last year by Inc. Magazine. Ready to start finding the right clients at the right price whenever you want? Russ is hosting a free masterclass where he'll pull back the curtain and show you exactly what seven-figure business owners know that others don't. Be sure to claim your spot today so that you don't miss out on these strategies. Visit clientsondemand.com slash fire to sign up today. That's clientsondemand.com slash fire. Davin, are you ready to rock the lightning rounds? Let's rock this. What was holding you back <laughs> from becoming an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh, nothing was holding me back from being an entrepreneur. You know what? What held me back from being an entrepreneur was the idea of me being an entrepreneur. And I'll tell you why. My biggest hero, or one of my biggest heroes next to my dad, was the smartest man I ever knew. He was my Uncle Mo. And my Uncle Mo was so critical in, in every important thing that happened in my life. He actually arranged my adoption as a kid. He chose my parents, my wonderful parents that ended up getting this adopted child. And one day, he turned to me. I was 15 years old. I was in the retail business, retail clothing. I thought retail was going to be my life. I thought I was going to work in retail the rest of my life. And he turns to me, he says, you know what? He says, you should start a business. And he had this idea for me to be a clothing consultant. Initially, I was in the clothing business, uh, doing clothes for wealthy doctors and lawyers and what have you. And I did whatever my uncle Mo said without question because he was so dang brilliant. So I started a business. What is the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received was, of course, start my own business. That changed everything for me. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? I would say probably getting as much done as early as possible. The earlier I can get up and get work out of the way, the better. Uh, as the day progresses, my I had sort of the law of diminishing returns. Share one internet resource. One internet resource. Uh, Google Voice. Recommend one book, Davin, and share why. Right now, I'm reading Ray Dalius's Principles. It's a great story and uh, good information. Davin, let's end today on fire, brother, with you giving us one parting piece of guidance, sharing the best way that we can connect with you and what, with what you have going on in the world, and uh, then we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. Well, uh, you can check me out at davenmichaels.com. That's D-A-V-E-N-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S.com. Super excited about our new vlog that launches next year. Subscribe to that. And if you want more information on how to get leverage in your business, 123employee.com. Are you going to be doing that vlog down in Puerto Rico? Yeah, we're going to do it all over the world. It's, uh, I'm first... going to be in the vlog. Yeah, you're going to be in the vlog. First 200 <laughs> episodes already shot. So yes, you'll be Killer. in it. Yeah. Oh, Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you have been hanging out with DM and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Davin, D-A-V-E-N, in the search bar, his show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz. Timestamps, links galore. 
And Davin, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And Fire Nation, make sure you go to davinmichaels.com to check out the vlog, which I'll be in. Um, For that, brother, we salute you and we will catch you on the flip side. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Davin today. And if you're ready to master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days, just visit themasteryjournal.com. Use promo code podcast and I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. If you offer coaching services but have trouble finding new clients who are the right clients, then I've got great news for you. My friend Russ Rufino is hosting a free private masterclass where he's pulling back the curtain on the exact strategies he used to grow his business from zero to $9.5 million in revenue. If you do one thing today, make it be claiming your spot for Russ's free masterclass at clientsondemand.com slash fire. That's clientsondemand.com dot com slash fire.